Welcome to Crypto Talks, the podcast that features the early adopters of the blockchain and cryptocurrency world. It's me, Anne Alexander, and I will uncover the stories of the humans behind the crypto and introduce you to new and exciting blockchain projects. Are you ready for the journey down the rabbit hole? Welcome everyone to the Crypto Talks podcast. Um, and today, I'm, I'm sure you recognize the face, and you'll hear the voice as well very soon. Robin Schmidt um, on air with us from Defiant. So, welcome. How are you doing? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yes, well, the voice. Goodness me, I do so much talking these days. It's like the voice is getting lower and lower and lower and lower and lower. It's like. <laughs> It's just rabbit, 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 always talking about something, talking about crypto, talking about blockchain, talking about DeFi. It's, uh, I mean, it's a wonder that people don't get bored of me because I spent so much time talking about it. Well, I mean, it's uh, these days I have a feeling that more people are interested in those topics. And, you know, we have all these organic sort of, you know, attention coming to us because it's been a bit... Uh, you know, uh, the, the crypto winter has been quite long. So now the excitement is coming back um, from, from, so to speak, fresh blood and people who haven't been around for a while. So I guess it's it's the time to speak. <laughs> it was always the time to speak. Actually, funny enough, when I started this YouTube journey, I mean, it was deep in crypto winter. And yeah, I mean, there were still people around and there were still, there were still things you could say but the people you were broadcasting to were, yeah, they were they were entrenched and bitter and angry and sore and clinging on for dear life because they felt helpless and had no other option. And you know, it's funny if you if you talk to developers, they'll often often say that the bear is the best time to build, and mm -hmm. there's so much noise and distraction during the bull market that it's it's difficult to get things done. And although I I kind of I, I understand that. From a communications point of view, and, and you know, during the crypto winter, I was working for Harmony, which is a layer one high-speed scaling protocol, and learned a huge amount during that time. But like the the amount of pushback, the headwinds you face, at least from a marketing point of view, when you know everything is heading south, it's very difficult to to help people understand what it is that you're building because all they do is they conflate token price with the perceived success or failure of what you're doing and you can't very yeah. easily disabuse them of that idea because if people are losing money they're they're invested and they're emotionally invested and um in many ways it's not your job to be their counselor but at the same time you know you you risk alienating the people who will be your core community when things turn up but also you know you kind of have to recognize that this is all part of the game it's all part of it so if you can't handle that then this isn't the game for you but it's yeah, yeah it's punishing it's punishing it really is and and um i'm sort of I'm, i'm happy that now the word that i do is able to speak to lots of different projects and we're not beholden to the market performance of one token because um yeah it bites you in the ass it, things go up but they come down and when they come down nobody's your friend anymore
So, uh, yeah, I mean, I've uh, I know exactly what you mean because I've I've gone through the ICO journey myself as a part of a team. So I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly of the of the whole cycle. And uh, and yes, I mean, uh, unfortunately, token price can uh, impact a lot um, the the emotions that people feel and and you know. Um, uh, strong emotions can go both ways. So, uh, yeah, when people are very happy, they love you. When the token price is great, they love you. But then that love can turn into like a very strong hate um, just in a matter of weeks. So I, I totally get that. <laughs> but um, but I, I think like uh, the interesting thing is, you know, when, when, when you suggested the topic and we, we decided that we're going to talk about creators in the space, um, I think you know, I, I was glad that we came to to that conclusion uh, because it, I feel like you know there are so many other podcasts that talk about token prices, about trading, about trends, about news, and that side of the story. And there aren't many people uh, who are creating content that is more not even educational, but like more um, related to the human aspects of this space. Because, you know, this space by itself is a technology space. So by default, it's like, you know, lots of techie uh, um, subjects that we have to dive into in order just to understand what's going on, first of all. And then again, you know, it's also a, a space where uh, everything is directly linked to money as well. So there is that aspect of things. And the human side sometimes gets on the background. So um, I feel like, you know, it, it needs to be uh, addressed as well, because uh, again, you know, even even those two are related to emotions partly as well right yeah i mean there's as a space if you're new coming into it you have to you have to very quickly learn a bunch of quite difficult skills you have to learn about economics you have to learn about technology you have to learn about trading you have to learn how to separate good information from bad information and, and you have to learn how to manage your own emotions all of these things are combined, extremely difficult to do. And what people tend to do is they go in too deep or they over leverage themselves. And I don't necessarily mean, you know, margin trading, but they over leverage what they can afford to give to the space. And that's emotional bandwidth. It's mental bandwidth. It's so difficult to sort out everything that you need to sort out in terms of just understanding it. And there's so but many all people at the same time. Yeah, and there's so many people competing for your attention. And the people who are very skilled at competing for your attention sound extremely cohesive, extremely sure of themselves. And when we talk about crypto content creators, there's a there's a tendency for all the voices to kind of align around the same kind of way of talking, which is I know something you don't. Stick with me and yeah. I'll help you and I'll help you get there because I have the answers. This is, this is something I encountered when I first came into crypto and you, because you're looking for people to help you navigate the space. So you gravitate towards people who seem to talk with confidence. There is one thing that I, I learned more than anything else when I went to work for a protocol, and in this case, Harmony. And I, I learned that nobody knows anything. Yeah. Nobody knows anything at all. And like... The moment someone tries to persuade you that they do, you walk away in the other direction because they're wrong. And 
that's that's the best place to start from. You are wrong. If you're giving me that much confidence that you know what you're talking about, you're wrong. And I and I really struggle with this because it's exactly the thing that I'm supposed to do on our channel. I'm supposed to project confidence, project knowledge and understanding of what I'm talking about. And I, I and I I feel at times like it's misplaced confidence that I'm giving off because I don't know everything. There's no way I can possibly know everything. So the the, the approach I, I kind of try and take is here's what I found out. I could be right, I could be wrong. And here's what I think. I could be right, I could be wrong. And then when I'm doing tutorials, it's mm. this is something I've figured out and I'm going this way. Again, I could be right, or I could be wrong. And it is so difficult to, to try and be a YouTube channel where everything is governed by numbers. Right? The more clickbaity you are, the more certain of things you are, the, the yeah. more you sell stuff, the bigger your numbers are gonna be. And we just can't afford to play that game. And I and I'm, I don't want to play that game because I don't want to be responsible for people losing money, first of all. And I also, I don't, I don't want to pretend to be something that I'm not because I am knowledgeable, but I'm not an expert. And I know, I know a lot about a lot of different things. And I spend a lot of time talking to people. And I have spent a lot of time in this space absorbing as much as I can so that I have a pretty good macro of a lot of different pieces of this puzzle and at least enough to be able to kind of tie ideas that came up from 2017 with where we are now. Uh, and of course, that feeds into now the way I do things on The Defiant, which is above all else, what we put out has to be good quality. And that means, it, you know, in terms of the research, but also in terms of the way we shoot it, we want to put out a, a quality product. And like you'll see in the films that we make that there's always, there's always an element of kind of, if you're if you're doing like fine dining, it'd be called chefy. But like in 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 our world, mm. it's like there's some something kind of fancy, a filmmaking technique or or a lens that we use or, or the way that we tell a story. And there's a very good reason we do that. In its simple differentiation, I want people who see our content to think this guy does it like nobody else does it. And you may or you may not like it. You may want the guy who's just standing in front of a chart telling you what to buy and when to buy it. But for people who don't want that and do like enjoy the way I tell a story, they know that they're always going to get that because that's how I do it. Uh, and I know that there's not yeah. a single other person anywhere in crypto that does that. So I'm like, that is, I... that is my thing. That's how I do it. And I'm sticking to that. And if you want that, great. But like, don't expect me to do it like everyone else does. And I think that, I think that served us very well. And it, it makes us feel believable and authentic because we don't ever deviate from that. Uh, I think, yeah, I think you're right. And, uh, you know, the, you definitely stand out. And, and I think, uh, you know, apart from the quality, the other reason uh, that I have observed is that, you know, I'm, I, I'm a person who gets bored very quickly. So, uh, so your, your videos have always an entertainment element to it. So, you know, yes. you, you don't, you don't have this serious image. You're, you're, you're not afraid to sort of, you know, not to look too confident and kind of know it all and, and have this branding of being an influencer, but you're kind of, you know, you're making sure you, I have a feeling, I don't know if that's the case, but at least from my observations from aside, what you guys are creating are, are putting the viewers 
on the spotlight and and you know you you put yourself in the viewer's shoes and try to to produce something that would be providing value and entertaining entertainment and and quality for the viewer basically you're not doing it to look good you're not doing it to 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 get more views you're doing it for the viewers to get better experience so that's based on on what i've discovered and i think it's it's great because um usually um Unfortunately, in this space, what we've got from influencers are uh, is content where they are the hero of the story, while here you feel like it's done for you as a viewer. So I don't know if, if you agree with me. That's but, really, yeah, that's really interesting because I, I often put myself in ridiculous scenarios where I am the hero of the story. Like one video, I I jumped <laughs> off a building. Another video, I was like battling crypto kitties in a kind of dystopian future landscape. Um, I think not taking yourself too seriously is very important. Yeah, I mean, but fun- fundamentally, though, there, there's, there is a reason why I do things the way I do them. And it's because I, I spent 20 years as a, a music video director, as a TV director. I've directed a feature film. And, and I got to a point in my career where I've done a lot of different things and had a lot of different types of experiences in film and television production. And, and one of the things we always kept bumping up against was that, like, what gets in the way of making something you enjoy is generally always money. Like somebody has some money and you need that money to be able to make something. And money is is a problem that crypto doesn't have. And like another problem you bump up against in creative industries is people like to say no. People like to say no because it puts them in a position of power. Yeah. So, you, mm. you know, you apply for funding. People say no. Yeah. Or, the, or you're in a competition and someone's like, oh, it's good, but no. I mean, I've been in that position auditioning actors and you say no a lot. <laughs> and crypto is not like that crypto people say yes it's bananas like we were just having a discussion at <laughs> the studio today we're like what if it was just like well, we were specifically talking about bringing digital fashion into the metaverse because mm-hmm. digital fashion for me is going to be a huge thing it's going to be it's going to be yeah a real gateway drug for a lot of people i think a lot of women could be wrong to get into crypto because we are heavily skewed male, like beyond ridiculously skewed male. Tell me about and it. So, yeah. <laughs> and so there's a, and it's gamers and traders and gamers and traders and the, the and the art has provided a, a gateway for more women to get into crypto, which is fantastic. Music will do the same and fashion will be floodgates and we'll see a lot more kind of diversity. Anyway, I digress. Trying to bring digital fashion into the metaverse. I'm building an avatar for myself to, to, express myself insomnium and i was like how do i get this awesome piece of digital fabric that uh, a company called the fabricant has made into somnium i was just chatting to the ceo of somnium just chatting to the ceo of the, someone from the fabricant was just like can we connect these two up yeah people just say yes and I, it's fantastic and it's because we're early and it's because Nobody has any clue what the answers are yet. And there are no established rules. So there's this really welcoming and open culture. I think a lot of that comes from Silicon Valley mentality as well. Having worked in a Silicon Valley company, even though I wasn't based there, seeing the way people, they network mm-hmm. and they come together and they go to barbecues and they just chat about stuff. It's very non-European, that approach. And it, and it filters down into a lot of what makes blockchain and crypto so fun. And so if you are a creator and you're coming from a space of being told no a lot and of being poor and being sort of brainwashed into accepting that 
the arts are always going to have their funding cut and they're they're a luxury item if you like then you suddenly you have this amazing experience where a money isn't the problem and b people like to say yes and as a creator you just go well now we can do something and i think <laughs> i think it's i think it's fantastic to see i think it's fantastic to see the way like creators on youtube and creators on instagram who really understood how to play those games were able to monetize their ability to mm. capture attention yeah. I don't know how I feel about the quality of what they've been doing and how they've gone about it. Like, don't get me wrong, there are some creators that I that I whose content I watch and I go, "You are a talented storyteller. You're a talented artist in some way." But a lot of it isn't, and mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think it, it sort of sucks some of the oxygen away from the people who are really good at making stuff but aren't necessarily good at promoting themselves. Because yeah. you're putting you're putting the value of what someone does onto their ability to growth hack rather than on their skill as a storyteller. And and for yeah. me, that always kind of removes the creativity from what people do, and it reduces it down to a numbers game and an algorithmic. But it's it's the same game. somewhere else as well, right? Like you know, I'm I'm coming from self publishing industry. I mean, like I'm, I'm self published author, so mm-hmm. you know, there too, self publishing kind of brings a similar sort of you know benefit, um, similar to NFTs, where you can bypass agents and publishers, etc., and sort of you know go out there and and directly sell your books to your uh, potential li- readers. But there too, like you know, on Amazon, how many books are there so you know if if you are amazing writer and you know how to self-publish your books and you just put it out there it's not like you wrote it and people will come and will buy it so then you know this element of of you know the need of promotion and marketing and growth hacking etc it's it's there as well and unfortunately what i've discovered is that um, not everyone is comfortable with doing that right so and plus you know figuring things out in terms of how to promote their work takes up so much energy and time uh, which they would prefer to to spend on creating more art or you know creating more more creative you know projects and stuff like that so I, I do agree with you that um, yeah, there are some people who are, who have these skills of promoting their work, and and that somehow compensates uh, the difference in in quality of of you know compared to other artists, and then they do better. Um, so I don't know. I mean, on top of this. In the NFT world, I think there's also this, no matter how easy it is to get into it, but there is still a learning curve in terms of understanding what it is actually, how it works, etc. So there are like different layers that add up to to just, okay, you can go out there and create and, and people will come and buy your your NFTs, right? So um, I don't know. On, on the other hand, I, I feel like it's not a surprise to me that NFTs got... Uh, the most, uh, the biggest crowds, non-crypto crowds coming into the space because, you know, they are about things that people are already by default passionate about, right? So, you yeah. know, they understand. And, and NFT space probably is the one that speaks the least about the technology and positions itself as something else rather than just, you know, a blockchain thing, right? Because in uh, in other projects, blockchain has always been kind of the hero of the story and 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 the attractive element towards it, and everyone 
really loved talking about the fact that they use blockchain technology in their projects. With NFT, it's 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 not about that so much. I have a feeling. What do you think about that? Ooh. Um, well, it depends. It depends at what point it becomes prohibitive. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, you've got a you've got a few different things to to combat here. Like OpenSea before NFT were really starting to take off was still full of stuff that was garbage and I don't mind saying that mm. there was a lot of garbage out there and people were selling it on there because they could and because there wasn't much else now I think you have a, a different situation which is a lot of good art that no one sees and also a lot of good art that no one really cares about because there's no story and so you you have to you have to work a lot harder to get seen and get noticed and there is a degree to which if you're going to come and take up residence in a space like blockchain that has its own rules and has its own culture, you have to respect that culture when you come in. Mm-hmm. You know, you couldn't, you can't just go and be a hip hop MC without spending at least some time understanding that culture and, and doing it. Um, because people will just laugh you out the park. They won't, they won't care because there's an authenticity to it. And I think, you yeah. know, in, in, the, in the NFT art space, there are certainly some OGs who have, it's not just about the fact that they've made work. It's how long they've been there and how long they were doing it when no one else was taking notice and mm-hmm. when no one cared and they were the oddball and they were the weirdo. And suddenly now they're cool because they yeah. were there. They were first. And everyone thinks it just happened overnight, but it didn't. They were, they were you know, like someone like Rack, who is now seeing enormous success. He's, he's able to invest in OpenSea. His NFTs are legit. They're beautiful. He's a Grammy award-winning artist. This guy made a bold move to step away from major record labels to self-publish and he just sat and he worked and he learned what ethereum was and he and he experimented and and nobody gives him any credit for that because all they see is like this shiny artist who's got like some expensive entities but not only is his work good and you can look at it and say objectively it is good but also he's earned it you know and he's a he's Mm. a truly truly nice guy who worked really hard at this and is still open to sharing what he's learned. But people like that are rare. And I think what you see now is um, like it's envy, basically. You know, X earned this much money, so why can't I? You know, I deserve to earn this much money. It's like, well, no, they yeah, took a risk I mean, and you didn't, and they took a risk at the right time. Envy so. and greed from 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 the you know consumers' perspective, it's not like you know all all the people who are buying these NFTs are art lovers or music lovers or whatever, right? It's it's this greed motivation of uh, you know being greedy and and just making money and that being a top hot topic and this is the place to go and try. But I think what you mentioned you mentioned the word which is very important. I think in this space, uh, which is experiment. I feel like yes, the space is pretty, you know, relatively new, and uh, and as you said, there are no rules. So um, many people are very tempted, and because it's easy, right, to just copy and paste and and sort of follow the same things that some people did and it worked for them. But the problem is that what they don't understand is, first of all, it worked for them back then and the times have changed. Maybe the same thing doesn't work anymore. And the second, it worked for them. And there is real, really a lot of personality aspect to it. So even if you copy everything identically the same way in terms of how they marketed it themselves, 
you can never be them, right? So, you know, it's it, it's just that element you can't copy and you can't be someone else. So um, experimenting and figuring out new ways uh, is probably just like you you did things differently and you stood out is, is probably the only way to stand out. And in order to, to know uh, what those experiments can be, I think you have to understand how things work because like, you know, un- unless you know how, what is an NFT and what are the possibilities of what you could do and would, what you could create and turn into an NFT, it's going to be very hard to imagine and, you know, how you can experiment with them, right? Yeah. You touched on a lot of things there that are very dear to me. Um, first of all, blockchain by its, its very nature is, because it's open source, it is a, a forking culture. So everything gets forked. And this is a good thing and a bad thing. If you look at Uniswap version three, they have built in uh, a layer of protection for the code so that uh, you can't fork it. And mm-hmm. they've done that because I don't know how many Uniswap clones there have been, but that code base is responsible for a DEX on every single layer one that's of any sort of credible nature at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It it had the liquidity drained from it by SushiSwap, and they're butthurt about that. I, I can understand why. But it, and that's just one of the most relevant examples. I mean, how many clones of Bitcoin have there been? How many forks of Ethereum have there been? I mean, it's it's in its very nature, people copy and then they tweak, and then they repackage, and then they call it the same thing because they're riding on the coattails of that success. I, I hate that. <laughs> I hate that. I find myself more and more and more taking an approach where I deliberately do the exact opposite. So I mean, the, the way mm-hmm. we do the YouTube channel is, I mean, I, I'll tell you how we do the YouTube channel. It's, it's literally this. I don't watch any other crypto YouTube not a single other thing i don't watch any of it mm. Mm. and there's a very good reason for that i don't i don't i don't want to be influenced by it the that i do watch other youtube channels but but effect, essentially the the approach i take to every story we tell is i just listen to the, what the story is and then I, would, I mean usually what happens is i kind of have an idea by like thursday or friday what i want the next week's story to be and then saturday and sunday i just let it percolate in my head like coffee grounds Mm -hmm. and somewhere (laughs) in the middle of all of that somewhere in the middle of all of that an idea starts to emerge and usually that idea is based on some kind of pop culture reference that is sitting in there so it could be 1980 you know 80s b movies or it could be the joker or it could be i mean it could be all sorts of different things but fundamentally, there's an echo of something. It was, a, it was a mishmash of different things that is sitting up there in my head going, why don't you do it like this? So, okay. So, for instance, next week, we're going to be doing MEV. And MEV is something that nobody understands. And it's minor extracted value. And it's basically the way miners <clears throat> who are getting shafted by this new EIP1559 proposal, they'll lose a lot of the value that comes from minings. And there are different ways for them to extract mine uh, value through mining using MEV. Very boring. But you start to dig into the tangled dark forest of Ethereum and the mempool and all these things that are going on that you never see, the dark, weird subculture of the Ethereum blockchain. And so 
I started to think about horror movies and there's this horror movie called The Witch, which came out not so very long ago. And I have seen the trailer for The Witch. I have seen the film for The Witch. They're in my head, but I will not go back and watch them. I will let that echo of the film mm-hmm. that I that I know start to inform me as I put together an intro that will be a horror film. And I'll I'll design it with that feeling in my head, but I won't go mm-hmm. back and watch it. And it's because I'm terrified of just duplicating things and copying them. It's absolutely fine to pastiche and reference things, but if you parrot something shot for shot, there's not a huge amount of you in that. And so, you know, it's the Tarantino thing. You, you, his things, films are a tapestry of, of his influences and everything he's watched, but they're uniquely Tarantino. And that's fine. You know, we can't all be original artists blessed with a singular vision and the tenacity to go and pursue it. There are very, very few of those kind of people around. But what I think someone like me can do is I can take all of these different things and then reimagine them or remix them in a way that takes a story that has nothing to do with it, that does not deserve that kind of treatment, and then make it into something brand new. I mean, the thing I'm sort of most proud of this year was an idea that was born simply out of not having enough time to do anything. And I was talking about a hack. And this hack was was fascinating because it, it, it took... 11 steps for the hack to happen and it all happened in a very short space of time but when you hear developers talk about these hacks they talk about them like they're pieces of art like they're masterpieces Mm. and i was like how do i turn this hack into a masterpiece and obviously we're all thinking about crypto art and people have done you know visualizations of the ethereum blockchain and for some reason i don't know why i decided to turn it into a slow jam and i was like okay how does that work? Because I have a musical background. And I used to be a chorus star. I've got a perfect pitch. I, I, I understand music a little bit, but like the idea of taking, and it was a tweet storm that someone had written, which was explaining all the different steps. I was like, if I did this like Drake freestyling over a slow jam beat, what would that look like? <laughs> and could I even pull it off? And that's like, those kind of ideas, that's my happy place because I have no idea whether it's going to work or not. And I have so little time to think of an alternative, I just have to make it happen. So that's the, that's the challenge every week, you know. Um, like a couple of weeks back, I did this big green screen sequence where, where I'm on a rooftop and I get hit by lightning and then I jump off the roof. And it's like always thinking about the audience. Like if, I, if, if people are going to come back each week to tune in to see what we have to say and they have all these other options, what can I give them that rewards them for that? And like I make half-hour videos and not all of it's like that, but like, if they'll remember something, what, what would it be? That's what I meant what? when I said that, you know, the, the viewers were the hero. I mean, you had them in your mind when you were creating stuff. Like, it, it shows. Yeah, and we, and we, <laughs> yeah. we have, um, I'm working with a young director at the moment. And, you know, what we what we always talk about is, you know, the, 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 the binary components of creativity, which is idea and execution. And I think what you tend to find a lot of in the modern era is very good execution. Like desktop mm-hmm. publishing has got to the standard where, you know, any medium article that anyone puts out, initially the impression is, wow, this looks legit. The cameras that we can use to shoot things look legit. Like a lot of YouTubers now, because they all copy each other, they've all got lovely soft boxes, they can make their stuff yeah. look good. And And so there's this kind of, sheen of production and sheen of execution that is 
it's not easy, but it's it's you can learn it and you can apply it and you can add this impression that your work is good. Where it, most people fall down. Yeah, it's a standard well, template you can template, follow like, at a high level, is, you know. Yeah, template isn't um template's unfair. But yeah, it's it's like you know, getting a WordPress template or anything else. You can make stuff look pretty good pretty quickly, but it's mm. it's generic. And so what we're always trying to do is embed ideas, you know, because we, we know that we can also execute to a very high standard. I know we can also execute things that other people just can't do. And that's not blowing my own trumpet. It's just because I've spent a lot of time doing this stuff. And so I know how to, to put together like a, you know, a sequence that has a certain style to it and know with confidence that I can pull it off because I've probably done it like 50 times in the past. So there's a, there's a level of experience there, but it, it's about the ideas. And I would rather see a strong idea and slightly poor execution than the other way around every time and ideas are what gets me excited and when when this young director um pitches me an idea and you go oh but he you know he doesn't quite pull it off i don't care like dude that was great you know next time you'll know and you can just tweak this bit and tweak this bit but if it's just like if he was coming to me and every single shot was framed perfectly and it was lit perfectly but it was boring I'm just like dude throw that away let go of it and it i think one of the the, the biggest lessons for me starting on YouTube was forcing myself to let go of perfection. And, mm. it, and it has never been healthier for me to do that than the last year and a half. When I, when I, is when better I, than perfect, yeah. Well, <laughs> the thing is, I, I am a perfectionist and I work all through the night to make things just seamless and make, and, you know, I'll obsess over an edit and I'll obsess over a music edit and mm. timing these things. And like if, if I look at my earlier Defiant videos, I spent a long time perf perfecting the transitions. But like w the schedule we work to, it just doesn't allow it. So I, I basically make sure that every video, I try and put one kind of idea in there that you haven't seen before or that is that mm -hmm. makes me feel like, yeah, we this, this video was worth making because... Um, and it, it's not even about the audience it's because it matters to me. You know, if I'm going to come into work every day, I want to be excited about what we do. We are telling the weirdest stories. And if you just sit there and tell people what happened, it's boring. It is. Yeah. You know? and, 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 I, and I think the biggest risk is making people, I mean, uh, I'd rather have people get annoyed or frustrated with something that you've done rather than like the biggest, the, the worst thing that can happen, I think, is in the indifference. You know, when, when it just doesn't resonate, doesn't touch at all, it just, you know, doesn't really make any difference whether you sell this thing or didn't. It just passes you by and you never even, you know, think about it. So so I, yeah. I, I do agree with you. Um, when people generalize things, uh, you know, when, when usually it's like this division between the types of people, right? Uh, some people are kind of, you know, um, creative, um, artistics, and the others are like more tacky and logical, you know, right brain, left brain, et cetera, et cetera. And they say that it's very rare when people are both, right? But I feel like, you know, the creators in the blockchain space have to have at least kind of, you know, some kind of balance because they have to to grasp and understand these concepts that you are, you know, um, educating us on uh, in your videos, right? So uh, is this like... Uh, have you found that probably 
telling it in in artistic language in the storytelling format is is the way that is easier for creators to understand tech that's why you're going that route or like do, or do you believe mm. that people are oh, you're going one you're, or going, the other? you're going deep <laughs> you're going deep um <laughs> i well for me there was there was one moment when I kind of let go because we were looking at DeFi and we were telling DeFi stories. And this is when I first started making videos for the Defiant. And I was giving the subject matter too much respect. And I was, I was aware that I was doing that, but I was also doing it out of respect for people and what they were building. Uh, but in doing so, I was kind of denying the exuberance and the youthfulness of the space and i was also that was not being true to myself to be honest with you and so it came, i, I kind of went on holiday and recharged and i came back and i i just let go of all of that because there is a way that bloomberg covers financial news there's a way that big news organizations cover the news and i feel like most of the time they do it with too much respect and i don't have to do that so we, we were discussing the launch of the Curve token, which was so weird and so just baffling in so many ways, but it was born out of a Telegram group where everyone was just bashing into each other and confused and memeing all over the place. I was just like, this is how we tell these stories. That's the truth mm -hmm. of it. And so like in that video, I get hit in the face with a banana a lot. Because yeah, for me, that one. Yeah. bananas are curved. And we're talking about curve, but also bananas are just funny. And like, <laughs> it was bananas. I was like, well, maybe we go there. And then, you know, and then it folded into a whole bunch of food fi things. And I was just getting crap in my face. We, we, what we were basically experimenting with was, would people still watch the videos even if we did that? And could we entertain people and still mm -hmm. get them hooked into the story? The other problem that you have with blockchain is, you can't see it. <laughs> you can't see it. I used to shoot vacuum cleaners. I used to shoot coffee machines. I spent like two and a half years filming products and showing you how they were. And you put the products in your desk and you press buttons and you can see it. You go, oh, that's a nice angle. That's a nice angle. Where's the blockchain? You can't see it. So like that is one of the biggest challenges that we have telling these stories is how to make it visual. That's why I use so many props. That's why I dress up in stupid clothes. That's why I sing songs. It's all because I have nothing to show you unless I build it and use it as a metaphor or find another yeah. way to do it. Um, so that, that, that is the constant struggle. It's like, how do I take this story and then turn it into something that you can actually see? And we don't always succeed, but I think that's, that's, it's born out of necessity. You, you, have to, you have to give people metaphors and ways to to connect with what you're talking about that that feel comfortable with them, and that's why that's why we use perfect. so many yeah that's why we use so many pop culture references. But it, but it's also just because like what you see on screen is how I tell stories. It's me, and like that 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 is just what it is. No, I mean, I, and I, I, just and I do think it because it's, I it's like doing perfect. It, you know? I think it's perfect because you're bridging the gap between the real world and the blockchain world. Because as you can, as you said, like the blockchain can't be seen, 
and it can't be understood for many. It's a challenge to understand it. So, you know, they, you, they need some kind of similarities, some kind of, you know, uh, analogies in their real life in order to imagine things better. Because otherwise, like I've, I've, I've heard, for example, I did a live stream uh, the other day and uh, I was getting, and usually I don't sort of talk about the tech stuff on, on my Facebook live streams, but, you know, it was multi-streaming and I was on Facebook and I've got people there telling, me oh it's hard for us to understand crypto because it's so abstract and i'm like what do you mean it's so real what, what is abstract about it but in people's minds like you know un until they try it and 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 kind of you know grasp the reality of it until they they go through the whole journey and actually see that it's real for them it's an abstract theory so you know when you are bridging those gaps and putting analogies and similarities in you know in different situations where in life that they've gone through, it's easier for them to understand it. So I totally get that. I mean, getting back to these creators, um, I came into the blockchain space completely accidentally because uh, back then I was a full-time fiction author and uh, I started creating a bit of content on Steemit. I ended up with Steam dollars and Steam. I had no idea what it was. I also had a podcast, so, you know, it was very easy to get a few people from Steam to do interviews, to ask them to explain me what it actually was. And then, you know, it, it just dragged me to the down the rabbit hole. You know, I started reading Andres uh, Antonopoulos' books. I, I tried to do something with these Steam dollars. So, you know, I had a bit of practical experience as well. And then it just go, went from there. Um, so um, Steam, it, it feels like it's, it's not really working as, as, as well. I mean, it's not really the space it was like three years ago. Um, but there are loads of alternatives. Like for artists, we already covered a little bit the NFT space. Um, but for, uh, for creators now, it feels like there are other social media alternatives coming out uh, more and more, uh, especially with this need of, you know, since they saw that even the president of the US can be deplatformed and kind of, you know, um, be, be banned to tweet and all that stuff. So, People feel the urge of sort of decentralized social media, and and there are many tries happening there. Um, Bit uh, Bit Cloud is is the one that is out recently, right? I guess, which is kind of yes. doing these big waves, and everyone is talking about it. Um, I've heard different perspectives about it. Um, I'd like to hear yours, and let's discuss it. I have my own uh, opinions about it as well. Um, what do you think about it? <clears throat> that is a big question. I think it's a big question because fundamentally the the effort to to, to set up an, a, an alternative social media platform where people who use it, I'm not going to say creators, people who use it are able to monetize without using advertising. I think it's noble. The The task I set myself this week was to uh, challenge my assumptions about BitCloud because I don't think I've ever approached a subject in this space before with so many baked-in prejudices. Mm -hmm. And I, I have to sort of kick myself when, when I start to see that and say, but what if you are wrong? Mm -hmm. And what if your prejudices are misplaced? Then what? And what does that look like? Because 
it's what I would expect from other people. And it's very hard to find. And so the stronger my feelings towards something being negative, the more I have to encourage myself to explore further and take the position of people who do support these things. Because of course, we get so much pushback on blockchain from people who are in exactly that position. Oh, I've heard it was a scam. And they don't look further. So bit clap. Oh, I heard it was a scam. You don't look further. And I think that is a dangerous position to start from. So my position initially was, I don't like the look of this. And it's a few, for a few different reasons. One of which was the launch looked somewhat shady. Um, the, mm. the level of VC pre-mine looked problematic the the uncertain answers to questions that the defined got when they pushed for answers looked odd i mean the biggest red flag of all is you send bitcoin in you can't get you bitcoin can't take out. It out yeah and the the response to that is to do with atomic swaps the, the sort of vague research and I, I say not from a position of expert here, it's the vague research mm -hmm. that we did seems to suggest that may not necessarily be exactly true, but it mm -hmm. might be true for them. So I, you know, I'll reserve judgment. The fact that it's built on a Bitcoin derived network is very odd given how mature DeFi protocols are now and how composable they are. For mm -hmm. me, it would make much more sense to build an, a network that can connect to other things and can build in DeFi primitives to add on mm -hmm. top of the, the creator coin value that's there. All of these things make it very, very difficult. I mean, the, the other thing that bothers me as well is like when you, when you see the rate at which people are buying these creator coins and they're going up when they're early, the dynamics of all of that feel really off. And, I, and I'll tell you why it, it's, it's, it goes back to when I was working at Harmony. Okay, so the 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 what I talked about there being headwinds to do with market and trading performance. Mm -hmm. If you're a big company that earned, that raised a lot of money, you can weather those storms. You can you can have an, a, a downward negative effect uh, from the market, and you can come through that okay as long as you manage manage your treasury okay. But psychologically, it is brutal, and mm -hmm. I think there were a lot of teams during the bear that were backed into a corner where they were running out of money and they were selling their own tokens on the open market just to keep going. Yeah. And the, 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 the pressure on someone who's in control of something that's, you know, being traded on the open market to sustain the value of what they're doing artificially to prioritize that above the other things that they're doing is fairly hefty. And the other issue is that, you know, if if someone decides that they're gonna pump your coin, they will, because it's easy, because they're, you know, it's the same thing that Rubini always shouts when he's shouting about Bitcoins, like, you know, the illiquid shit coins and they just get pumped and dumped. And he's not wrong, yeah. you know? And like, how, how much, it'd be pretty easy to pump and dump uh, create a coin. It gets harder as 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 the value goes up because it's much harder to mint the new coins. But in those early stages, it's pretty easy. And you know, if you are a creator with you know, a million, two million followers on Twitter, and you're not already on there, 
you could quite easily jump in, make a ton of money and get out and dump. Uh, and I don't think anyone could really do anything about it. So the, the, the dynamics of that are, are uncomfortable for me. Um, and I think you know, as these things go on, the pressure on a creator to maintain their token price in the face of what could be overwhelming pressure. The you know people were shilling me the Elon Musk example. Elon Musk gets a man on the moon, his token price should go up. But if Elon Musk smokes a doobie on Joe Rogan, his token price should go down. Or maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Or if he you know issues a racial slur, the token price goes down. The 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 argument about that is that it's you know it's crowd fun is crowdsourced you know market economics driving you know the creator value but it's so easy to manipulate that so you know if if we think about how easy it is for people to troll um yeah. online you know it, it would be so easy for someone to just mount a group that's designed to dump a token and take control of that token but equally you know if you are a creator and for whatever reason, your token gets hot because of a pump and dump group, and then someone buys the top, and then they're left holding garbage. They're going to be angry, and it's one thing people being angry about, you know, influencers because they don't like the way they look, or they're too fat, or they said something stupid. Mm -hmm. You add people losing money on top of that, it gets really problematic. And and like everything I've heard so far from the people I've talked to is. This is the new social media. We're going to add real money to social presences. No more advertising and no more of this and that and this and that. I just like, guys, you're not, you're not thinking the entire cycle and you're not thinking psychologically what this does to a creator. Yeah. And it's not just, it's not just about, you know, the pressure of earning like a ton of money. It's the pressure of sustaining that. And it's also the pressure of just what comes at you when people have lost money. And they blame you, and they're angry with you, and they hunt you down, and they, they, yeah. And, and I've seen. I, I mean, I used to get people telling me how they were going to find me, and they would, they were like, send me pictures of the knives they bought to cut off my fingers. You know, like, dude, I have nothing to do with yeah. the token price. Why are you sending me this stuff? And I understand that you're angry, but like, that is crossing a line. That's crossing I, a line, yeah. like. No, I, I totally get that. And and yeah, it's it, there were loads of stories like that uh, during the ICO times. I mean, my main uh, concern about this whole story is, and I'm like, you know, I'm observing for now, uh, just like you, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, not really jumping into, into it, neither kind of, you know, I'm, 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 I'm trying to stay neutral. But there are a few things that like, at, at a high philosophical perspective, like, I, I just don't like because I feel like first of all it doesn't really encourage creators and 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 creativity and content creation etc because it it's it's more about so the way I I feel about the whole vibe around it is like it's 2017 it's the ICO hype but instead of projects now it's your profile it's your personality it's yourself so you know you are the the ICO project so to speak which means that eventually all this ICO dynamic and everything else you know cutting fingers and also you know the fudge towards the project and then you know uh, the team being distracted by sorting out and thinking about the keeping up the token price versus actually building what they, they were 
managed to build, et cetera, et cetera, all these dynamics is going to just turn into individual level because it's, it's going to work the same way because the whole structure is very similar to that. And that is very dangerous in a sense that uh, here, like if, if you had a choice during ICO times to be part of a team or to leave based on, you know, uh, based on what's going on and uh, you had decisions to make and you, the, IC, the project itself did not identify you as a person uh, and you could detach at one point. Here, it's it's you, it's yourself, it's your reputation, it's your you know uh, personal brand, it, it's you. So the problem with this is like, you know, when things go wrong or when you, you don't want to participate in this whole thing anymore, you already have the token sold, you already have your responsibility out there. You can't just, you know, go and say, okay, you know, I'm not doing this anymore. So, you know, I, I feel like now everyone uh, is jumping on it just because there is this opportunity, just because there are these promises of making lots of money, et cetera, et cetera. But in reality, what they don't realize is that it's, 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 you know, the impact is, is very big and it's, it's not necessarily predictable either. So are you actually putting, I don't know, like yourself out there and agreeing for this long journey of unpredictability and additional stuff that comes with this potential of making money or I, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, many people just don't think too deep around, around this and don't really understand what it may end up becoming eventually. So, yeah. And, and there's, there's, there's real money at stake. And the conversations I had with a couple of growth hackers, I put, put it in the video and they were very enthusiastic about this and they were kind of talking about how they had, they had made a ton of money but they got their money out by selling BitClout tokens OTC. So this mm. is um, so effectively what they've done is they learned the BitClout, go into an OTC Discord group, sold mm. for USDT or you know whatever, and then they just send that BitClout to the person's address or wallet within mm. the BitClout ecosystem. Now, the optimistic version of this is that um, they figure out how to make this a thing and how to make it work and that this is a an experimental boot up phase and it's mm -hmm. a necessary kind of emerging set of ideas that will eventually be ratified into something that actually makes sense you need a lot of good governance in all of that and and one of the the big kind of selling points of this platform is the investors so you've got sequoia a16z you've got scooter bronze investment company you've got Arrington uh, Capital you've got a bunch of people that people know the thing is like you know we have stories like we work we we have stories like uh was it called Ter Terranos or you know the blood startup the, yeah Theranos I mean that's a fascinating yeah. story we work we work's also a fascinating story and it, and it so, was so both had these big investors and big funds etc so like you know I have a feeling like that's that's kind of brings in credibility at some point but with when you look deeper and see all these big stories at the end of the day you know it doesn't really matter so much in terms of you know like you can't predict how things will go right so um so i don't know the other element that makes me feel a bit cautious about stuff is i'm paying attention of who are promoting it what type of people are promoting it in the space and 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 that for me is already some kind of you know um uh criteria to to sort of look at 
the advocates or, you know, brand ambassadors or whatever, they don't have this, you know, formal status, of course. But when you look at the trend of the types of people who, who are promoting it aggressively or, you know, very, very uh, actively, then that for me is like, okay, I, I really need to wait because these type of people are not really the ones I trust so much or, or respect so much. So this is a, a little bit like, let's just wait and see what happens next. So probably, you know, if it works out by waiting, we will be missing out this opportunity, um, you know, period where we could have done much more, but, you know, better safe than sorry in, in this case, for, at least that's my perspective. Um, so. Yes. In terms of creators, um, like NFT space is where, you know, there's lots of things happening. We kind of touched on that. Uh, different social media uh, platforms for creators coming up. Apart from, uh, you know, BitCloud, there are other creator tokens that, uh, token platforms that have been rolled out. I think Rolly is one of them. There are a few others that are coming out. Um, what do you think about those? Uh, yeah, well, one of one of one of the people whose opinions I I, I always enjoy <clears throat> gathering for the videos, and he writes for the fine is Kupitelli. Uh, Kupit really is excited by the potential of social tokens, and I think he sees a bright and optimistic future for them. I'm a little bit on the more kind of uh, pessimistic side around social tokens, but it's for the same reasons that I'm pessimistic about um, BitCloud. And again, like with everything else, could be wrong. Could be wrong. I could be just not seeing it, and that's also fine. Um, but we we talk about these things and try roll, um, or the, the the roll platform is has mm -hmm. hosted a lot of social tokens. There's a there's a social currency that I that I enjoy the community of, which is called Friends with Benefits, and it's a very well rounded, well thought out, DAO governed um, community that. Mm -hmm. it works for me uh i should check I it out yeah. i don't buy the tokens because i see them as an investment i just want access to that community um and i feel like it's on me to make the most of that um if i can but it, i think it's one of the, the things that i'm i'm enjoying seeing i do believe that and i'm already seeing it that hollywood studios for instance are going to be coming in and, and the hollywood's mm -hmm. Kind of, Hollywood has access to this um, celebrity network. It promotes itself very well. It feeds into kind of brain channels. If you think about the the Marvel extended universe, that really mm. fits in this space. And you can see a blockchain component and an NFT component slotting yeah. in very nicely. I'm very keen to be involved in discussions around that, and it's fun that I can be. Yeah. So, yeah, makes sense. You know, you know the thing is, you, you, were, you were talking about creativity and, and experimentation. For me right now, it's like being a kid in a candy store because any project that's doing something fun, I just go in the Telegram and say, hey, guys, would love to speak to you, and they will speak to you. But it's not just about reporting the news or telling a story about what they're doing. It's much more like, okay, I've got this idea. Is it possible? And then we start to get into these really fun conversations because they're also looking mm -hmm. to try and experiment with stuff. And, you know, from, I don't call myself a creator because frankly, I hate the word. 
and, and I have this image in my head of what a creator is, and I don't feel that I fit <laughs> into that. I, I am, I'm fundamentally, I'm a filmmaker, and I express mm. my ideas and my vision of the world through film. And there is a craft to that that I still haven't mastered, and I will spend the rest of my life trying to master. But that's the thing that I care about. But um, you know, with with NFTs, which can be a distribution mechanism, they can also be a revenue mechanism, and they can hold media, and they can also be a passport allowing you into an event or somewhere else. I, I feel like there's an incredible piece of technology that's kind of like the the carrier for any kind of entertainment proposition we would like to fit onto it. Mm-hmm. This this sense that NFTs are only crypto art is just not it's not yeah. the full story by any stretch. When you then think about the metaverse and particularly from a creative point of view, where you can build anything you want. You can make it 360. You can make it, you know, it. What I like about Somnium in particular is because it's VR. It's physical as well, so you move, mm-hmm. you physically move yeah. from one place to another, and you can see everything around you. Then, from a creator's point of view, this is a great time to be alive because you can experiment with all these places, and and you can connect to the people who are building these things, and you can talk to the people who are really pushing the edges of what's possible, and then you combine that with a built-in distribution mechanism and a built-in audience mechanism. It's just like, yeah, if you if, if you can figure out how to, to tie all those things together, you won't ever look back. It's going to be fascinating. But I, but I think that's kind of what I see my role in many ways, um, not just to tell the story of like, you know, a Yearn vault launching or anything else, but to actually be building stuff and experimenting and trying new mm-hmm. things in front of you and probably failing as well you know um i'm particularly it's fascinated part by of the deep, journey deep, anyway so, yeah, yeah it's we're we're, yeah. we're being confronted with fascinating advances in technology particularly to do with ai and fake news and and deep fakes and synthetic media and on yeah. the other hand we have this we have this incredible development of the unreal engine which can do live real-time rendering of almost photorealistic environments and that's now you know mm. in five years ten years unreal We'll be able to render, you know, full 8K scenes that look exactly like the real world, and you'll be able to step into them. You know, this is where we're going, and it's mind-boggling. And I, I feel like blockchain and crypto will play a big part of that. NFTs will play a big part of that, and the metaverse will be such a big part of our lives from you know starting now. But I kind of want to be there, and I, I also want to have a hand in shaping the way that those discussions roll out and. Yeah. at least having some say in trying to advocate for you know as you said at the beginning for humans for for real people and where do yeah. we fit into all of this um it's a very real discussion and I, actually funny enough i was talking to people from uh, ledger who make the hardware wallets mm. and you know they were saying, well, what, what is your what is your vision of crypto and i said human beings like, don't forget about the human beings the more techie we get the more human we have to be. Otherwise, we lose it. And I, and I think that's the wonderful thing about my job is that I, I get to just layer all that stuff on top. And I'm indulged in that. And I get to have fun doing it. So so if we have to wrap up, like those human beings who are watching now, those creative people who are watching now and want to get into the space, uh, where do they start? Like, like I, I know that this space can be overwhelming because there are so many, you know, opportunities, so many different directions to go, and so much information where you have to really 
filter out and understand like which is actually a useful one, which is not, which is true, which is not true, and all that stuff. So someone who's just getting into it from from the outside as as a new person, it's overwhelming. They some, very often they just don't really dive too deep because they don't even know where to start and what to do. So um, what should they do? Yeah, that's a that's a tough question because <coughs> there's no one real kind of solid resource for all this stuff. And I and I I do think rightly or wrongly a part of watching your videos, of course. But yeah, but our, our videos are quite high level, and they do sort of presuppose a decent amount of understanding of a lot of concepts because our our core audience is it is what it is. Um, you have to make mistakes. You have to have lost money trading, I feel. Like, don't lose a lot. But, like, you have to know what it feels like to not be always making money because then you start to learn a bit more respect for the markets and for what they can do to you. Um, trading is always going to be a part of this. Like, if you are looking to to generate value in a digital asset, that digital asset, by its very nature, is going to be tradable. And if you want people to interact with what you're doing, you know, for instance, um, you know, selling NFTs, there is a trading component to that. You are exposed to trading mechanics. Better learn them, be exposed to them, understand them. And yes, lose some money and understand what that feels like. Um, so you have to kind of just be be brave enough to take to dip a toe. Uh, but I think the, the most important thing is look for a community that fits to you. I mean, there's enough in in mm-hmm. you know, the creator creator communities. If I think about like the the platforms like Nifty Gateway, um, super rare. The community is great. Um, there's a really fun community called Trash. Um, a guy Rob Nurse is an artist from uh, LA. He's just he's just a good dude, and he shares knowledge, and he's there to help you. And you just talk to people. Uh, another another awesome platform is called Meme. It was born out of a bunch of jokers who just had a good time and shared memes. And this platform has blossomed into something really remarkable. I have a lot of time for that team. And the people who are in that community are fantastic. They're friendly and they care about art. Um, but also, you know, be 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 careful as well. Like Bit Clout, Bit Clout I'm, I'm very, very cautious about. Um, and yeah. Yeah. I, I always try and help people answer questions if I can because I think it's important to pay it forward. And we are we're looking to kind of build more resources, I guess, for people to come and just hang out and talk. And and for me, that's gonna happen in the metaverse. So I mean, I'm just falling in love with Somnium as a platform. We've built an, an, an HQ there. You can access it through the Somnium web browser. Um and what I need to do is I need to just spend an hour there once a week for people just to come and ask questions so I can be that resource and just say, look, come and ask me stuff because I, I know, but I know a bunch of things. And if you don't ask me and like, I probably won't respond to you on Twitter because I get a thousand people DMing me and it's really tough. Um, but you know, if we can have like a space like that, we can just say like once a week, create a session, just come and ask me stuff. Like what is an NFT? How do I get started in OpenSea? We'll do what we can. And uh, I think that is something that's definitely manageable and something I would like to do because um, the meetups that we used to have, we can't have them anymore. And like Zoom chats are, yeah. Zoom chats are fine, but like there's something about hanging out in a specially designed 
VR environment where there's like art on the walls and you could actually go and buy the art or I could just gift people NFTs. That's cool. And I want to explore more how that stuff happens. So um, that's something I definitely want to do in the, in, in the near future. Just time, just making sure we have time to actually do it properly. Oh, but once you have that space set up, just let us know where to go. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we, we've been building be it. around, so we'll, we'll just hang out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like almost like a clinic once a week just to kind of hang out. And I, and I think in many ways, being in that sort of space and environment, it's so much more inspiring than being on Zoom. Zoom is so kind of kind of uh, clinical and, and flat. But when you can actually go and you know, we can take a walking tour and go and look at the Beeple Museum, for instance, you know, th- th- these are things that are just cool. You can do insomnia. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's 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 something I feel I need as an advocate for that for, for metaverses in general. I think I need to to do more of as well. Yeah, sounds good. So thank you very much for your time. I'll just uh, thank you, everyone who were watching. Um, I We truly appreciate your time as well and the attention. Hopefully we captured it for a whole an hour. Thanks a lot. We appreciate you. Take care and have a nice evening. Thanks, everyone. This was the Crypto Talks podcast brought to you by Annie Alexander. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you for listening and we'll meet you in the next episode.